be looking at Revelation chapter 8, verse 13 through 9, verse 21. Um, and it looks like my internet a bit. So, like, it keeps saying my, I have an unstable connection, which everything seems to be working fine. So, if it cuts out in the middle of the feed, I apologize. Um, I think it will record everything and then um, maybe play it back later. So, if, if you're on the live feed and it cuts out, uh, apologize about that. So, um, we are going to get going here today. Uh, I've said every single time that it's going to be a short one. And every single time, I think I've gone like 20, 25 minutes. So we're going to just jump right in. And hopefully, um, I, hopefully I'm always shooting to, to keep it shorter and more concise. Um, so, But with Revelation, there's a lot to explain at times, and there's a lot to go through. Um, so, But uh, today, I hope to keep it a little bit more concise for you so that you can grab it on your lunch hour. and um, and, and and it won't take up so much of your time, I guess. So, all right. Well, let me uh, throw my notes up. Then we'll get reading this passage, and we'll say a quick prayer uh, before we get going here. Let me throw my notes up real quick. All right. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the way you teach us, you move in our lives, the way you convict us, the way you challenge us the way you encourage us and you bring comfort. God, I'm asking that your spirit would lead this time and that you would give clarity of thought, give clarity of of, of, of um, how you want to speak to us, Lord, and I pray that you would challenge us um, where you need to challenge us. Lord, it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. We're looking at Revelation chapter 8, verse 3, angels that are about to blow. I broke this up this way because is proclaiming that the Messiah is proclaiming. Uh, this is the first of the three. So they're just proclamations of usually what follows is is devastation, trouble, trials, um, and those sorts of things. So we're finishing off here the the last two to three uh, trumpets is what we're going to be looking at. And the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from heaven to earth of the bottomless pit he opened the shaft of the bottomless pit and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace and the sun with smoke from the shaft then from the smoke came locusts on the earth and they were given authority like the authority of scorpions of the earth they were told not to damage the grass of the earth or any green growth or any tree but only those people who do not have the seal of god on their foreheads they were allowed to torture them those days the people will seek death but will not they will long to die but death will flee from them the hair were like woman's hair and their teeth they had scales like iron breastplates and the no the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots and horses rushing into battle they have tails like them the angel of the bottomless pit his name in hebrew is abaddon in greek he is called apollon or excuse me, Apollyon. Past. There's still two woes to come. Voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God, saying the sixth angel who had the trumpet released the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels released who had been held ready for the hour, the day, and the month, and the year to kill a third of humankind. The number of the troops of Calvary has 200 million. Excuse me. The number of the troops of ca cavalry 
has 200 million. I heard their number, and this was how I saw the horses in my vision. The riders and of sapphire and of sulfur, and the heads of the horses, and the fire and the smoke and the sulfur came out of their mouths. By these three plagues, a third of humankind was killed. By the fire and smoke and sulfur, for the power of the horses in their mouths and in their tails. Their tails are, and with them they inflict harm. The rest of humankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands or give up worshiping demons and idols of gold, silver, and bronze, and stone, and wood. We cannot see or hear or walk. And they did not repent for did not repent of murders or their sorceries or their sorceries or their fornications or their thefts. So um, really quick, just a few symbolism things that I want to kind of run through. Uh, first, the people sealed with the, the seal of God on their forehead. That's a, a symbolism for, for those who put their faith in Jesus. Um, is is and I'm gonna talk about this here in a second, but is this this these pictures of these plagues and these these beasts and these animals that are warring against humanity. And so as the seven trumpets are wrapping themselves up, and again, we've we've seen the fifth and the sixth trumpet, seventh trumpet hasn't happened yet, but we see these trumpets, and what's released with these trumpets is Plagues, war, and destruction. But first, we see this creature being released from this pit, and in the idea is that is this angel or demon or something that is released from from the bottomless pit who has the name Abaddon. In Hebrew, the the word means the destroyer, and it's the same word that that, that in the Hebrew that they use for Sheol and for death. In the in the Greek, um, it means destroyer, and and so. This word, this Abaddon and Apollyon, is the, the word given to the angel who comes up out of the bottomless pit. And the idea is this, that they are, they are the destroyer. They, they are the one who has been unleashed on the earth to, to bring destruction and to bring fear and violence and, and so forth and so on. So in these last few trumpets, we see these judgments coming through the destroyer. We see wars and, and plagues and, and destruction. And, and really, John's purpose here is, is, again, we have to remember that John is, is painting a picture of things that are happening around him, but also painting pictures of symbol through symbolism, painting pictures of things that are happening around him and things that, that are to come. So we, we always have to keep that in mind. And, and with these seven trumpets, we see these different images and these different animals, and it, it's kind of weird and it's kind of hard to interpret. But the, the, the main thrust of John's argument is this, that God has given humanity over to the consequences of their sin and their rejection of God. The destroyer being released is because humanity has rejected God and humanity has, has lived in sin. And so the, the, the judgments that, that the earth is experiencing, the judgments that, that the people are experiencing, that the creatures are experiencing, these plagues, these wars, destruction, famine, all of these things that we see unleashed in the seals and in the trumpets are, are a consequence of sin. And they're a consequence of, of humanity not living within the, the design of God. We talked a little bit about that yesterday. But what's unique is that John 
in each of these moments is, is giving a call to repentance. Every single trumpet is an opportunity. Every dis destructive thing that happens is an opportunity for people to repent. And, and, and at the end, <clears throat> at the very end of, of the passage here in chapter 9, John reveals the, the reality that despite these judgments, despite God's, God's hand allowing the, the, the um, full force of destruction to happen upon what they're in, and some do not repent. And so what we have here throughout this, this passage is, is, is judgments that are being poured out on the earth because of the rejection of the Son of Man and the Lamb, because of God. And, and so what is left for, for the world at that point? Destruction, death. Or you see in the one portion where it talks about how how they how they the people longed to die, but there there was no death found for them. And so what you get is this picture that, that things are not good. Things are not good upon the good upon or, and things are not good in what what John's churches are experiencing experiencing. Things are not good in the history of mankind <laughs> up to the between John and even up to now. And so we get this picture of, of God judging the earth. The question that remains and the question that I want, I want us to wrestle through, though, today is, is what is the end of John's vision of, of, of these plagues? Of, of, what is the end of John, the, the vision of John's judgments? Is John envisioning a totally destroyed earth? Well, I, 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 there's been two answers to this, and there's two camps that really interpret these passages because we're looking at the destruction of, of creation and those things. This question begs to be asked. And, and the answer to these questions and how we interpret what John is saying in these passages really has implications for how we approach the lives that we live. And, and I think John has something specific to say to us in this moment, but um, I just want to explore the implications of, of both answers. So if John is saying yes, if John is saying that that the earth is going to be destroyed and 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 we get and we all have this picture of apocalyptic imagery where where things just kind of blow up in fire and and the world comes to an end and you get these apocalyptic movies that 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 there's no life and there's and and, and really I think there's just this common myth that comes along with apocalypse that goes hey it, the earth is just going to disappear. It was not one at one point, and it's going to go away again. And so is John saying that here in Revelation? If we answer yes, then I think we the implications are that we abandon, um, protect, and escape. And so we have to ask ourselves, are these the implications that John has and that John is calling us to throughout the rest of the rest of Revelation? Is this what the entire scripture is calling us to? Um, and so if we say yes, that, that God is going to totally destroy the earth, then it doesn't matter how we take care of creation and how we steward the resources that God has given us. It doesn't matter how we care for the poor and oppressed, at least not in anything above and beyond their salvation. And, and, and 
salvation is important. So I'm not saying that, but um, it, it leads us to just caring for people's souls as opposed to their their physical needs. And and then we separate and we come out from among the non-believers and, and we we try to do everything we can to protect and keep our identity as Christians. And so not to be affected by the world around us. I think that is, and, and honestly, what we're anticipating then is a rescue away from all the things that, that we're experiencing or that we're experiencing in our, our humanity or in our part of history in John's part of history that humanity has experienced since the fall of man. And so we are looking for an escape in that. Now, if we say no, there are some other implications. And, and here's what I, I want to say. Not all of those things that I talked about are bad. These are just simply um, possible implications for saying the earth doesn't matter. It's going to go away. And, and so we can live our lives this way. And, and honestly, some traditions have lived their lives that way. But if John says no, the implications are then that we engage the world around us and that we be the people who represent the kingdom to this earth. Now, here's my thing. I think this is more consistent with the biblical witness. I think it's more consistent with what John is saying. And here's why. The ethos of the Old Testament is always for not just the not just for the people of God being faithful to God, but being faithful to each other and caring for each other. That is part of the kingdom. Within the kingdom, God always wanted us to love him first and to love each other in a way that there were no poor and there were no oppressed and that people were treated with dignity and with respect and, and, and not subjected for economic, for social, or any type of gain, which is pretty much the definition of oppression. So if that is the, the Old Testament kind of leading, if that is the, 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 the um, picture we get out of the Old Testament, and honestly, James says the same thing. What good is it to pray for someone and not take care of their physical needs? It's a question that James raises in the New Testament. But then you have Jesus who, who prays, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we see in Jesus this idea of, of, of bringing God's kingdom to where we are. Jesus himself ushered the kingdom of God and began the process of, of seeing a kingdom lived out and played out here on earth. And, the, and, and if the implication is, no, God is not going to destroy the earth, then we are responsible for being the people that the, 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 the kingdom exists in. And that the, the body of people as the church, that the kingdom is put on display in, that, that we would be a people who live together and love each other and live by God's design in such a way that it brings glory to God and life to those who experience or are within its presence. And then lastly, we see Revelation 21. What we see is we see heaven coming down to earth. We see the new city and we see the new heavens and new earth being created. And, and, and I see where that word kind of creates some trick, some trickiness in that in the idea that God is going to destroy and then create something new. That I'll tell you what, that, that could quite possibly be the case. But I think still the implications are that, that the kingdom has be, begun 
in our midst with Jesus and that we are people called to be people who represent the kingdom on earth, God, God's image bearers on earth, and, and, and that we are called to steward God's creation and steward God's love and, and glory as to the best of our abilities right here on earth as we live here with the hope that one day the fullness of that will be realized. We are not ever going to live it out fully in our lives. We're not ever going to see it. I, I, I don't, Jesus never promised a, a part of human history outside of his return where his ultimate victory takes place, where, where humanity will not be defined by the evil it struggles with. And, and so, and yet, at least into its fullness, and yet God calls his people to, to represent and to stand over and against that. So I hope that's making sense. And, and here's the, the picture that we get, that, that heaven is this place. So when we see the new city coming down out of heaven, we see the new heavens and the new earth coming down out of heaven in Revelation 21. The idea is that heaven is, is this holding place where God's glory and God's design and God's per, perfection and his plan already exist. And yet it's going to become and it's going to be unleashed on the earth and on the earth, we will be able to experience the fullness of all that God designed when Jesus brings to completion human history. So I think that there are some implications there. I think the confusion that we get comes from just a little bit of the language, and I, I think that's okay. But I think predominantly when God calls us, when God calls his church to to be representatives of the kingdom and allow the, the kingdom to shine forth through his people, that, that we are called not to disengage, but to engage and to be responsible. And, and, and the call to live differently is this, because we're not called to bite into the culture. We're not called to be comfortable. We're not called to, we're called to sacrifice for the sake of a, a, a better reward. We see that language all through Paul, but that is not in a disengagement or care for, or or lack of stewarding um, this world and this creation, and the people that we live with, it, it's not a it's not a call to to just to just forget about them. It's a call to care for God's creation and bear His image on this earth the way that we were initially designed to. Where do we stand in the midst of this? Um, this I, I would say in. in you can put whatever language you want to this. I, I don't fully, I don't like the pre-trib, post-trib, those types of things. The, the idea that John gives is that, that all of human history is defined by the evil and destruction and chaos that it, it's lived in because of the sin that we, we, um, that we live in. That, that was apparent in John's day. And, and honestly, it might have been even worse with the coming destruction of Jerusalem or the because of the destruction of Jerusalem and uh, of the of the Roman Empire. Or it could be worse today. We don't it's hard to compare that. But but what John is trying to get us to understand, what he's trying to get the reader to understand is that we stand in this place where the kingdom of God has begun, where the promises of God have have started. And yet we still war with evil. And we still have God's ju judgment and the consequences of that judgment, our reality, and that one day Christ will come and he will bring it all to the culmination. And, and in that fully judgment on those who oppress 
and who look against and work against God and his ways and his people, that, that justice will be served and that God's judgment will be had and that, and that those who put their faith in Jesus will, will come to the place where they fully realize their reward and where the newness of life that God begins in them at their salvation will, will find its fullness. And so that's why we look forward to Revelation 21. And, and, and we still have some chapters to go where some really weird stuff happens. But what we look forward to and what we anticipate is the promise that one day God will renew creation and that everything within it will succumb to his and submit to his will. And that and that's not a bad thing. That with that comes the promise of life, the promise of his presence, the promise of hope, and the promise of, of no more pain, of no more sorrow, of no more evil, and no more death. And so this is what the believer has to look forward to. This is what God is calling us to. All right, so what's our takeaways from today? And, and, and I've got one question that I want to ask you. What does it mean to faithfully pray and live out your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? In our lives today, if we live in such a way that how we steward the earth matters, if we live in such a way that how we love God and how we love others and how we care for the communities and the culture, or not necessarily the culture, but the, the people living within the culture around us, if that matters and we're responsible for that as people of God, what do we do? I, I think it means that first and foremost, we love God. And then also that we love our neighbor that we're, we're kind and that we're compassionate and we're understanding. And yet we're also calling and, and prophetic in, in that we're calling people to be faithful to Jesus and to walk in his ways and to, and to live it within the boundaries of God and the design of God. And then also we're stewarding his creation. We're doing the things that allow us to use his creation and yet care for and renew and, 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 uh, and manage it well, not just strip it for all of its economical value, not just take advantage of it so it gives us all the luxuries and all the things and the riches that we want and we desire. And then it's also standing up for justice and peace. It's standing up for the poor and oppressed. It's taking care of them, not just their, their spiritual needs, but their physical needs as well, that they go hand in hand. And then it means being faithfully obedient even when the world goes the other direction. We are constantly going to be walking against the grain of our culture. We're going to be constantly walking against the grain of this world. It has been that way since Jesus' time. It has been that way since before Jesus' time. God called the Israelites to walk a different path. They were called out. And they were called to live in a way where they modeled God's design lived out to its fullest and best, and so they would experience life and so that the nations around them would experience life. That is our calling as people, and that is how we see the kingdom come on earth, maybe not to its fullness, but yet anticipating and hoping and, and believing that one day Christ will return and that all that he promised in his kingdom will come to pass in its fullness. That's what I think John is talking about today. And so if you guys have questions, 
post those real quick. I'm going to jump back over to the comment feed and, and see if you guys had any questions about what we're walked through today. I realize covering chapters at a time when you're talking about things with like locusts with faces like humans and crowns and wings. And I realize I'm, I'm, I'm summarizing a lot of, a lot of material. And, and honestly, unless you wanted to sit here for eight hours, that's the way I just kind of have to do it. But I think the point, it, it, it hits home. And John's purpose in, in writing Revelation to his initial churches and the purpose that the Spirit restored and kept and, and sustained this material for us to read and for us to engage in, I think it's still the same, and I think it's pertinent to our lives. All right, guys, I'm going to jump back over to the comment feed here real quick, and then um, I will close this out for today. All right, I don't see any more comments, so... Um, Man, I tried my darndest to make it shorter today and just did not happen. Looks like we're going to roll at about 25 minutes most days. So, all right. Anyhow, I really appreciate you joining me today. I, I hope that that makes sense. And I hope that that, that that takeaway question is something that sits with you for the rest of the day. How can God's, how, how can I faithfully pray and live out your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? All right, guys. Thank you so much for being here. Love that you joined me today, and I will see you next week.